book of 1 Peter chapter number 2. And we'd like to begin reading with verse number 21 of 1 Peter chapter 2. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Let us pray together. Our Father, I just want to bow and thank you for the Word of God, for another privilege this side of eternity to preach your Word. Lord, I realize without you I can do nothing. I yield myself to you as best I know how, and I pray the blessed Spirit of God would give me understanding. Help me, Lord, to be a blessing and help to each one that's come this way today. If there's one that has not yet trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray that today they'd receive Him and put their trust and faith in Him. Bless this time together. We'll praise you for what's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you on the subject, Jesus bearing our sins. Verse 24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Turn, if you will, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, and I want to share just a few verses there. Isaiah, chapter 53, and we'd like to read the first seven verses. It's page 760 in your Schofield Bible, Isaiah chapter 53. And he asked the question, Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. We find here in this scripture again, verse 4 said, He hath borne our griefs and carried our Sorrows. One thing that you see in this, these verses is that uh, it was for our sins that Jesus went to Calvary. That when he went there, he went bearing not his own sin, but our sins. 
there to the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Bible said, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That Christ became our sin offering, that he who knew no sin was made to be sin. In 1 Peter 2, verse 23, he said, Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Now, why did Jesus not defend himself? Turn in your Bible to Matthew 27. We're going to be looking at a number of scriptures today. Matthew 27. You know, as I've studied this story, I was reading through it again last evening and uh, in the uh, gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, God showed me new light on this, uh, on Calvary and what really happened there. Matthew 27, verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thy sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thy not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now the question is, why didn't Jesus Christ defend himself? They bring all these charges against him. They're seeking his life. Here's an innocent man. He knows he's innocent. And uh, Pilate really knows he's innocent. You find that in the, in the account that is given. But when the charges are brought against Jesus Christ, the Bible said he does not defend himself. He does not answer. Now why is that? The reason is because he was guilty in the fact that he had our sins upon him. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He was given the cup of sin. Sins of the world. Your sins were in that cup. My sins were in that cup. And the sins of the world were in that cup. And so Jesus Christ did not defend himself because he was being made sin. He was guilty of our sins, not his own but he was bearing our sins on the cross. Now, if you study the circumstances that surrounded Calvary, you will find that Jesus Christ was dying for the broken law. All of us are guilty as lawbreakers, and we've broken the commandments of God. And we like to look at these and look at some circumstances that happened when Jesus went to the cross. The first commandment, the first two we'll use together, the first commandment, the book of Exodus, chapter 20 says, Thy shalt have no other gods before me. And the second commandment is, Thy shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Now let's look in the book of Mark, chapter 14. The book of Mark, and chapter number 14 and uh, 
verse, uh, we'll begin reading verse 55. That's page 1066. Mark 14, 55. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. Many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. Which uh, really you have this uh, statement used several times in the gospel accounts and uh, it, he is claiming to be Jehovah God. Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? That's the question they're asking. And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need we any further witness? Ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, Prophesy. And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. Now they accused him of blasphemy because if it was not who he claimed to be, then this charge would be true. But Jesus told them straight out that he was the Son of God, that he was the Christ. And what did they do? They willingly rejected him. And in John chapter 19 and verse 15, as Pilate there said, Shall I re release Barabbas of Jesus? And uh, they said, Release Barabbas. And he said, said uh, uh, shall I, What shall I do with Jesus? And they say, Crucify him. He said, he, uh, they said, or he said, Shall I crucify your king? And they answered, We have no king but Caesar. Now Caesar was considered to be a god and was worshipped as God. And what they did in rejected Jesus Christ, they placed Caesar above Jesus and they received the God of the Romans and the idols of the Romans instead of the true and the living God and broke those two commandments. And so Jesus Christ was bearing those sins when he went to Calvary. The third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Let's turn to Luke now, Luke 22. And we have the story here in Luke 22. That's page 1109. And uh, Luke 22 and verse 63. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. 
When they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him into their council, saying, Our Father Christ tell us, and he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And he said unto them, You say that I am. And they said, What need we any further witness? We ourselves have heard of his own mouth. In verse 65, the Bible said, Many other things blasphemously spake they against him. So they broke the third commandment, where he said, You're not to take the name of the Lord God in vain. And they blasphemed the Son of God, and they blasphemed Jesus Christ, and broke that commandment. So their sin also was to be laid Upon Jesus Christ. Do you realize the Bible teaches that you can blaspheme God the Father and be forgiven of it? You can blaspheme the Son of God and be forgiven? These very people that were blaspheming the Son of God later could have gotten saved and some may have got saved. I don't know. We find that uh, Saul, of course, was a Pharisee and he got saved. And uh, he didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God. He spoke blasphemous things against him. And you can be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit of God, you can't be forgiven of that sin. But God said you're not to take his name in vain. His name is holy. And we're to lift high that holy name of God. The scribes, we are told when they wrote the name Jehovah, they would wash their hands and, and take a new pen and write that name and then lay it aside. And uh, because they placed great emphasis and they revered that holy name of God, the Lord said not to take his name in vain. And so, uh, but they did. And the fourth commandment says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day. Did the Jews break the Sabbath day? Yes. In Mark 2, 27 and 28, And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now they were very careful about their tradition. And, uh, but the Bible said, that the Sabbath was made for man because God created man on the sixth day and then he rested the seventh. And he created and set aside the seventh day for man's benefit. Not that it might be a burden or a hindrance, but a blessing. And so he said the Sabbath was made for man, for man's own good, for man's own benefit. We don't worship on the Sabbath, we worship on the Sunday, but you'll be a whole lot better off if you rest one day a week, if you use this day as a day of rest and a day of worship, you'll be better off. And uh, uh, it's for man's own benefit, 
Now, he said the Lord, they were criticizing Jesus for healing people on the Sabbath day, for doing good on the Sabbath day. One day there, he was plucking the ears of corn, and they began to accuse him for this, for doing this on the Sabbath day. But Jesus said he was Lord of the Sabbath. And, uh, of course, what they were doing, they were traditionally keeping the Sabbath, but they were rejecting the Lord of the Sabbath. And they were doing it outwardly, but in their heart, they were wicked and vile. You realize you can come to church today, and I'm glad you're here, and I appreciate you coming. It's a blessing when folks come. But is your heart here? That's the question. You can come and never worship. You, we can go through the motions. We can, we can uh, it can become, you know, I, I talk to people out of visitation. They say, I, I, I got out of the habit. It ought to be more than a habit. We ought to come because we want to worship God from our heart. We want to please the Lord. We want to do right. That's why we ought to come. What motivates us to come? You know, if we're motivated right, we'll be here every service. If we have the right motivation, unless we are sick and hindered that we can't come, but if we can come, we'll come. If we have the right motivation. And uh, so uh, in, in John 19, 31, we find that, uh, let me turn there. Uh, John 19, 31, the Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, in other words, a special Sabbath, not the regular Sabbath, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be uh, taken away. Now they were careful about this. They said, we can't leave them on the cross on the this special uh, Sabbath day. Let's break their legs, these thieves, so they'll die. Let's get them off of the cross. And uh, uh, there when Jesus stood before Pilate, the Jews uh, they, they would not go in there because they, they would be defiled for the Passover. They were careful about all their tradition, but their heart was wicked and sinful before God. Yes, did they, break, did they keep the Sabbath? No, not really. <clears throat> they broke the Sabbath. The fifth commandment is, Honor thy father and thy mother. I want you to turn to Matthew 15. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, page 1019. Matthew 15, verse 1. Then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees. This is a religious crowd, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat. Now think of that. Uh, when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Now this was a ceremony. This is not talking about the normal washing of the hands. That, you know, if you eat, you ought to wash your hands before you eat naturally. But this was a ceremonial thing, a traditional thing. And the Lord says, Why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. He that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, whosoever shall say to his father or to his mother, it is a gift. But whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, 
and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus, you make uh, uh, the commandment of God, or you have the commandment of God uh, of uh, none effect by your tradition. Now, what they were doing, of course, the responsibility, the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. That means more than to obey them, but that means when they can't care for themselves, you care for them. It's your responsibility. And what they were doing, they said, well, we've dedicated everything we have to the Lord. And therefore, we can't help them. And what it was was a traditional loophole. They were circumventing the law of God by their traditional loopholes and getting out of this responsibility. And what the Lord, he rebukes them for exalting tradition above the word of God. You know, we need to be able to separate tradition from truth, to separate tradition from God's word. And uh, uh, even sometime in our, uh, in our worship, uh, in our services and all, you know, there's a lot of tradition that people have, have lifted uh, up to the level of Scripture and sometimes even beyond the level of Scripture. The Word of God ought to be the final authority. When God's Word says something, we ought to follow this book, regardless of our tradition, regardless of how we've always done it. A favorite phrase sometimes, well, we've always done it this way. Well, that don't necessarily mean it's the right way. You know, because we've always done it this way, we still may be wrong. And uh, this is what was happening. They had all these traditions and all these, these things they were following, and, and what they were really doing was disobeying the Word of God. They were criticizing, rebuking for others not following tradition. Now, as a preacher of the Word of God, I have the right to preach God's Word and uh, exhort you to follow the Word of God. And if you don't do it, it's sin. But tradition is something else. I may, I may have uh, uh, things that I do and traditions that I observe. I have no right to preach those as, uh, as with authority as the Word of God. And this is what they were doing. And so... The Lord said, Honor your father and your mother. In John chapter 19, on the cross there, Jesus looks down at John and says, Behold your mother, and to his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus was obedient to the law. Even in his dying moments on the cross, he made provision for the care of his mother to fulfill that commandment. You can't find, listen, you can't find one time in the Word of God where Jesus Christ ever broke one of God's commandments. He was perfect. He was without sin. And uh, so the sixth commandment then is thou shalt not kill. Barabbas was a murderer, according to Luke 23, 19. And Barabbas, who was a murderer and who deserved to die and who should have died, escaped death. And Jesus Christ, who was innocent of any sin, died instead. Now why is that? Because Jesus was dying for Barabbas. 
and Barabbas, a murderer, can go free, and Jesus becomes a murderer, see? He becomes what Barabbas is and what we were. In Acts 3, 14, Peter is preaching there, and he said, You denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer uh, to be granted unto you. In Acts 7, 52, Stephen there preaching, he said, Of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. And what did they do to Stephen? They stoned him to death for accusing them of murdering the Son of God. He says, you are the murderers. And the Jews were guilty of the murder of Jesus. They don't like to hear that, but that's the facts. And not only were the Jews guilty, but the Romans were also guilty. And furthermore, you and I were guilty. Right? Because if we had had no sin, then Jesus would not have had to have died. But he died for all of our sins on the cross. And therefore we're guilty. The whole world is guilty before God. The Bible, Jerry's talking about the book of Romans there. He said the law was given that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. And there you have it. But the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight. No flesh, that means no, N-O, no flesh, not any flesh, any time, anywhere, uh, will ever be justified by the law, never has, ever can. No flesh. All the world is guilty. We're all guilty. But on the cross in Luke 23, the Lord Jesus looks upon those who were, who were asking for his death and crying, crucify him, crucify him. You know why the crowd was wanting him to be crucified? The Bible said the chief priests were moving them to ask for this. The religious crowd were the ones that were promoting his death. But when Jesus looked down on those that had drove the nails and the spikes, those that had... had Scream, crucify him. You know what he said? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even on the cross, he asks for their forgiveness. And Stephen does the same. Thy shall not kill, number seven. Thy shall not commit adultery. In John chapter 4, Samaritan woman, the adulterous woman in John chapter 8 who was taken in the very act of adultery. You read that story in John chapter 8. You wonder where the man's at. The word of God, the law of God said if a man and a woman be taken in adultery the adulterer and the adulteresses will both be put to death. Both of them. Not just the woman but the man. And society down through the years has kind of looked with disfavor upon an adulterous woman, but I want to tell you in the sight of God, an adulterous man is just as bad. The Lord makes no difference. But they said the law said she's to be stoned. But you know, when Jesus went to the cross, he bore their sins. And I'm glad, thank God, there is forgiveness for the sin of adultery. The adulterer can be forgiven. The adulterer can be saved. 
And when Jesus went to Calvary, he was bearing those sins. Sin of adultery. And then commandment number eight said, Thy shalt not steal. Now Barabbas was also a robber. He was not only a murderer, but he was also a thief. In John 18, verse 40, turn to Luke 23. One of the most wonderful stories in the entire Word of God. In Luke chapter 23, talking about the thief on the cross. Page 1110. How many times that story has been told about the salvation of the thief. You know, it's interesting to note if you read the book of Matthew, you'll find that at first both thieves are ridiculing Christ. If you're, if you're the, who you claim to be, get us off the cross. This thief that got saved at first is not like he is here. And you can read it right in the book of Matthew there. The thieves, it says there, are, uh, are speaking against him. But look here in Luke 23. It changes. Verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thy fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. There's repentance in his heart. He said, I'm a sinner, I'm guilty. I'm getting what I deserve. No one ever gets saved until they come to that place before God of repentance. I'm a sinner. Lord, I am guilty. I deserve hell. And we do. You want to know how bad we are? Our sin is so bad that it deserves the punishment of eternal hell forever. That's bad. We're bad sinners, aren't we? We're, we're, we're wicked before God. We get what we deserve. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Remember me. He believed that Jesus was who he claimed to be. He recognizes him as God. And he believes in the resurrection to be saved. You've got to believe that Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he rose again the third day according to the scripture. This thief believed that. You say, how is that? Well, here's three crosses and here's two thieves and here's Jesus and they're all dying on the cross. He said, remember me when you come in your kingdom. That's faith. Put your faith in a dying man. That's faith. He believed in the resurrection. He believed Jesus would get out of the grave. You say, how did he know all this? Maybe Jesus, I believe one of two things. He'd heard, it, he'd heard it already, or Jesus preached it to him while he was hanging there on the cross. And that man got saved. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I save you right now, right on the spot. What a way to get saved. And all these people want that works to salvation. Oh, you've got to be baptized. If you're not baptized, you can't be saved. Show me where the thief got baptized. 
or baptize, whichever. Show me where he joined the church. Show me where he did some good deeds. All he could do was hang there and die and put his trust in Jesus. And dear friend, that's all it takes. Thank God for that. If it's anything more than that, I'm not going to make it. What about you? You think you're good enough to go to heaven? You know anybody, you, anybody that is? You say, well, I know, I know uh, these folks. I, I, I'm not good enough myself, but I, I really think they are. The fact of the matter is, if you really knew them, you'd think different. If you, really, if you, could, see, if you could see me as God sees me, if I could see you as God sees you, it's only by the grace of God, folks, we have any hope whatsoever. That's the only hope we've got. You say, I'm trying to do the best I can. You forget it. You'll never make it. Thy uh, shall not steal. And so the thief gets saved because Jesus now becomes a thief. His sin is now put on Jesus. And Jesus is bearing his sin. And the thief can be saved. The other thief could have been saved too, but he won't. Number nine. Thy shall not bear false witness. Let's look at Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Say, why you turned all these scriptures today? I want you to know what I'm preaching is the word of God not the word of Dean Silver. And I want you to get acquainted with these four accounts. I want you to realize this story is in the Bible four times. And, uh, and uh, you can't listen. You don't get the complete story unless you read all the accounts. Some of it has part of the story, and the other one has more of the story and different parts of the story. You've got to read it all to get the whole story. Matthew 26. God said not to bear false witness. Verse 57. They that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. You know those problems Peter had also. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses. And said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God, to build it in three days. He is talking about his body. Of course, he could have did the other as far as that goes. He was God. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answers thy nothing. What is it which these witness against thee? Now, when I read this, I was shocked by it. Look at verse 59. And the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. Now, who's he, who's he talking about? The chief priest. Who were the priests? They had the responsibility of the temple. They had the responsibility of the sacrifice. There's the religious leader and the elders. Here's the religious people of that day. Asking who claimed to keep, oh, 
Don't, uh, you've got to be careful not to break the Sabbath. You can't heal that man. You can't heal that lame man the Sabbath day. You might break the Sabbath. And all they have all these traditions. You've got to wash your hands before you eat. You've got to go through this ceremony. Wash. You've got to do this. You've got to do. And, and here's this bunch of rascals, this bunch of hypocrites, breaking the ninth commandment, trying to hatch up a bunch of lies to get rid of Jesus. This shows me that they have a dirty, rotten, sorry heart. Oh, outwardly, they look, the people bow before them and they have the praise of men. They make broad their phylacteries and they wear the scripture in the forehead and the arm and, and they run around the robes and they stand the street corners and mumbling and carrying on for hours at a time. Everybody said, oh, how, how dedicated they are and how what a, what a wonderful religious person that is and how great they are. And outwardly, they look good to the people, but God's seen their heart. And that's the reason they hated the Lord Jesus Christ because he exposed the wickedness of their evil heart. Showed them up for what they really were. He showed them up. He exposed their hypocrisy and they hated him. And they said, we've got to get rid of such a man that can read our thoughts. And they were willing to go to any extreme. They were willing to do anything to get rid of him. And they try and try and try and try to get some false charges that somehow the Romans will agree to his death. Here's the religious crowd for you. And dear friends, things have not changed a whole lot. It's about the way it is today. The average religious service anymore is nothing but just a big show. Let's come to church and be entertained. Let's have fun. Let's put on a big show. You don't hear much of God's Word anymore. As I said, the reason they hated Jesus Christ is because he exposed their evil heart. You know why some folks don't want to come to a church like this? Because when they come here, they're going to get their sins exposed. They're going to hear the word of God. Not many people today want to hear the truth. I shall not bear false witness. They bore false witness. Jesus Christ was bearing their wicked heart, their wicked sin when he went to the cross. And they could have been saved if they had confessed and repented. And then the tenth commandment, thy shalt not covet. Luke 16, 14 says the Pharisees were covetous. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. They were covetous. Mark 15, verse 10 and 11. Pilate there, when he examined Jesus, said, for he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. But the chief priest moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. Who's behind it? The priest are behind it. But Pilate knew he could see through them. He could see their hypocrisy. He knew for envy... They had delivered him. You know why? They, it was jealousy. The people were following Jesus because he was real. He spoke with authority. He was the real thing. And they followed him. And they were turning away from the priest. 
and they become jealous and envious, and they were covetous of wanting that praise and wanting that glory that was going to Christ. And they broke that tenth commandment. Jesus Christ went to the cross. He was bearing the broken law upon himself. Every commandment of God, and we have the Ten Commandments is the general summary of the commandments of God. And when he went to that cross, he was bearing the sins of a broken law. I want to close with a couple of verses in Galatians 3. In fact, it might be good just to look there, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. The book of Galatians. There were Judaizers that were trying to put the believers back on the law. They said it's not enough just to believe in Christ. It's not enough just to trust Christ like the thief did. You've also got to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. And Paul writes to correct this error. And verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone, how many? Everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. That sums it up. Cursed is everyone. What well, Romans 3 said, that every mouth may be stopped, that all the world may become guilty before God. Cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. I want to ask you a question. Did anyone from Adam to Jesus ever keep the law perfectly? Nobody except Jesus. So where does that put every Old Testament saint under the curse of the law? Guilty before God. Cursed is everyone that continue not in all things which are written in the book of the law. I may keep part of the law, but if I break, if I break some of it, the Bible said, uh, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. But in the sight of God, he may as well have broken them all because he's guilty. And then verse 11 said that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just to live by faith. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Verse 13, thank God for this verse. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Why was Jesus crucified? Because he was going to be cursed of God. God has redeemed us. The law of God says, curse Dean Silver. Judge him. Put him in hell. Because he's broken my law. But thank God Jesus steps up says, let him go free. I'll take his curse. I'll take his sin. 
I'll take his judgment. Hang me on a cross. Put me through the, the torment of hell. Pour out the judgment that he should get in an eternity in hell. I don't know how to comprehend this, but I believe if I died lost of that God and went to hell and stayed forever, that all that punishment that I could ever endure was poured out upon Jesus Christ. And thank God, I can go free. Someone wrote a song that I might be free. I don't know exactly how it goes, but I like the song. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. What a wonderful, wonderful message, wonderful, wonderful story. He bare our sins in his own body on the tree. We being dead to sin shall live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That's the message of Calvary. Today we'll observe the Lord's Supper. That's what it's all about. If you missed that, you've missed it. It's to remind us. Generally, when we observe the Lord's Supper, I bring a message connected with the cross. Why do I do that? Because the Bible don't, God doesn't ever want us to forget Calvary. And all sinners around there, you, you listen, you take that out of the Bible, this Bible just becomes another book. That's what the Bible's about. That's the central theme. Runs from Genesis to Revelation. Christ died for our sins. Let's bow our heads, please.